What's good, everybody? Welcome in to Sports 1140 KHDK. We're glad you're here with us on this Tuesday, October 26th. As uh, we've got a full three hours for you today. No games tonight. we got plenty of things to discuss, plenty of things to cover, including a couple of guests coming your way between now and 6. Uh, of course, we'll wrap up the show with the crossover at the very end of the show. But before then, uh, your head coach of the Sacramento Kings, Luke Walton. We will check in with Coach, his uh, weekly visit with us. It's Tuesday this week. He's going to join us at 5 o'clock as the Kings get ready to take on the Phoenix Suns. Uh, that matchup starts tomorrow, and we'll have it for you. Of course, all the Kings games right here on Sports 1140 KHDK, your home of the Kings. So we look forward to talking to Coach at 5 o'clock to get more perspective on those Phoenix Suns, a team that has been off since Saturday. Uh, a little bit of a slow start for them, and we say that just because of what their expectations are now. Phoenix two wins away from a championship parade last year. What a dream season it was. And now you have to back it up and support it with uh, more depth to their roster. Now they've been there and done that, and now can they repeat it? That's the more di- most difficult thing to do in sports. But Tim Kempton, former NBA player, a current analyst on the Phoenix Suns radio network, will join us. That'll be at 4.30. Another week of NFL has come and gone, so we've got to give you our NFL top five, bottom five. Uh, that'll be coming your way. Also, the NBA, believe it or not, seems like a lot has happened. It's just one week, one week old. We'll look at the NBA after one week. Only a couple of undefeated teams left. Only a couple teams without a win. But some one-week trends. Right? There's a long journey here. And we make all these assessments after just a couple of games like we do each and every week in the NFL. But then you got a whole week to prepare for the next game and more opinions on the team. You know, We get three and four games for some teams in a week. And so opinions can change quickly. This is just our first start, our first sample size, our first belief on what we have on some of these teams, including our own Sacramento Kings. We'll talk about that and uh, so much more uh, going on today. So we look forward to all of that. And uh, we thank you. Those of you, we say hello to you. Those checking us out on YouTube today. Thank you. We appreciate that. You can do that every day. Uh, We're on there. Uh, Also on our text line. We appreciate any comments coming in that way and all of you that are listening via smart speakers or the app or the old-fashioned way, just over the radio. We thank you uh, for doing that. So here we go. Plenty for us to get to today, like we said, as we'll be talking to Tim Kempton, former NBA player, Phoenix Suns radio analyst, and the head coach of the Sacramento Kings, Luke Walton, scheduled to join us at 5 o'clock. But let's do it. Let's start you out with First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. Well, we got here. We made it. Not the teams I predicted, not the teams a lot of people thought would be here, but the World Series begins tonight. Remember that? Remember how much that used to mean to America? The World Series. I don't know where it ranks amongst uh, all the uh, great events that happen yearly in sports, but I think it's it's moved down, obviously. Uh, this year, you've got the Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros, and we continue to talk about how much baseball has turned into that regional sport, and I feel like... You know, I was Chris gave me grief for this, but when I was talking about the Dodgers and the Giants, this is game that's gonna be the series will be remembered for decades. It's what a week and a half old. What game was that? I don't even remember anymore. Uh, um, but the point being on the regional part, had the Giants advanced, I think obviously we're wrapped up in the Giants and Braves, and then if the Giants won and they're now here, I think that just the the area is all in. If you're a Giants fan, or to be honest. Those that don't like the Giants are in in a weird way where they're just rooting against them. But now the Giants are out, and so those that love them, feelings are hurt, and they're kind of done. And those that hate them, it's like, well, 
I don't know if I even hate the Braves. Well, that's if the Dodgers were still in it. Right. So we lost the other element, that second part. Oh, man, the Dodgers beat the Giants. Is hurt. Oh, this is the worst way to go out. Oh, yes, the Dodgers lost to the Braves. Wait, now what do I do? And honestly, what do you do? As if you are a Giants fan, an A's fan, I guess the A's fan is not rooting for the Astros. Definitely not. And, you know, what most people say right now when they're talking about this series is, oh, I can't root for the cheaters. That's just the the blanket statement of the Houston Astros. And I'm not even trying to absolve them from guilt because I think everybody believes they did it. I didn't like the way they handled it, the way they kind of brushed it off. Isn't that more an MLB, though? Probably. So at what point, I don't want to say get over it because if you hate them for that, then you hate them for that. But you still have to acknowledge that it's a good baseball team, and here they are again. Do you do you think they're still cheating? Uh, honestly, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you but, think the Braves are cheating? Yes. Okay. Well, then there we go. But the Astros aren't cheating, at least to our knowledge, in the same way. Yeah, I don't think there is a base. If you were to really, if you were to give uh, truth serum to every baseball team and say, "Are you cheating?" There would be some way that they're cheating. But is it acceptable like, cheating if that's yeah, yeah. it? And then there's like on top of the, it wasn't until what series was that with the Rays? Was it the Rays and Blue Jays where like the cheat sheet for the catcher oh, came yeah, out? Oh, yeah, when it slid, yes. And I didn't even realize that. It's like, oh, every player has one of these on weight, where they should be positioned for every player and and where they should be that pitching. That just kind of came and went. Nobody thought that was a big deal. I kind of thought that is, was a big deal. Is that is that cheating? Well, it's it's what it's. I guess it's getting the scouting report of what they think of yeah. you. I I don't know. I mean, I think that's the whole argument on any of it. I mean, to whatever level you played, we I, I talked about this before with the Astros. Now we weren't using technology to cheat in high school, but if we felt like we read or even in college the opposing team or someone's signs, we would go in the dugout and let you know. And and that's the reason why they have signs, right? To try to stop that. Yeah, but if you figured it out or you cracked the code or you. You know, um, like we said, there's different ways to do it when you're on second base to, you know, this was very rudimentary, but if I go, you know, we, our thing in high school was, all right, Chris, you're up and I'm at second and I got a good idea what the signs are. Uh, fastball maybe, let's go, Chris, let's go. And then anything else was, come on, Verlad, knock me, you know, something. So his first lane, that's all we did. Or secondary, there was different ways you lead or which hand you had on your leadoff, you know, kind of when you're at second base, there was different ways to do it. In definition, it feels like that's cheating, but I know that's going on present day. It's just we're not using equipment and trash cans and, you know, like Spygate. That seemed to just, oh, that's cheating. Well, everybody watches film. Did they film practice? That's probably wrong, but I, I, every coach has watched every game, every play you've run for the last year. The one that they made a huge deal out that really wasn't a big deal was the deflate gate for Brady. Oh, deflate gate was ridiculous. <laughs> Because then, then it's just like, and like everyone became an expert. You can't have the PSI under blah, 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 blah. It's like, what? How does that help him? Uh, yeah, that one that one drove me crazy because it lasted one for so long, and I didn't think it was a big deal at all. I mean, the basketball rack at a Kings game will come out, and one player will kind of go, oh, this is the one I like that. Why? There's something about it that feels better. There's some little subtle nuance that feels better. Is it slightly below the P- – probably not, but there's something – everybody wants to feel better about their equipment that they're using. Meanwhile, MLB had pitcher a huge amount of pitchers doctoring the ball this season 
which they kind of ignored until uh, someone wrote a until the athletic wrote a yeah. story about it. And then they were then they were too crazy about it. You know, a guy throws one, two, three, first inning, and the umpire searching him. It's like, come on. Anyway, all that to be said. World Series, World baby. Series, everybody. It is the Astros. It is the Braves. Let's hear from Freddie Freeman. Going from 97 losses six years ago to doing this, it's special. And to lose, in my opinion, the best player in the National League. <laughs> and we're up here going to the World Series without Ronald Cunha Jr. It's, it's, it's amazing what this team did. It is amazing. And Chris brought it up yesterday, though, that they, you know, you got the 106-win Dodgers, 107-win Giants. It's not them. It's the Braves that's there. Here's more from Freddie Freeman. We've had like 40-foot potholes that we've hit, humongous speed bumps. I mean, everything you could possibly see in a road, we we hit it. Well, and here they are, though. They have survived it, and they come in again as the underdog in this series uh, because of what the Astros did, one, in regular season wins, uh, their postseason run, their uh, ability to score runs. I mean, Houston is a team that has led baseball a lot of the year in their ability to score runs. I don't think either pitching staff is great. I think that's the one area where you might see an advantage for Atlanta, and that's their starting pitching. But Houston has had kind of no dominant starter. They scratched and clawed their way through that Boston series, and uh, they're they're experienced. They've been there. Um, I say for me personally, the only drawing, rooting interest I have in any one individual that's pulling at me in this one is Dusty Baker. That's it. I don't like the Astros. I don't really – Braves are fine. But I, this is as non-emotional um, a World Series that I can remember. I wasn't that excited last year for the Rays and the Dodgers, but it turned into a great series. There was a lot of interesting elements of that. And part of it, what was so unique, was we were just starting to get fans back uh, for that World Series. But – just this will be different. It'll be. I, I, this reminds me a little bit of the one, what a couple of years ago with the Nationals um, and the Astros. Just so we'll we'll see how this one plays out. It's Game One tonight. Houston is the favorite, not a heavy favorite, but they're the favorite. And I do like Houston in this series. We'll talk more about it. But Houston to me looks to be the team to beat, and. I don't know what people will say if they'll still lump them in as just under that same group that cheated with technology. But some will say once a cheater, always a cheater. I, I've seen those messages that have come across. And I'm not asking you to forgive them, but I think this team isn't doing it in the same way. But to Chris's they're, point, maybe they're still cheating. They're doing it a better. They're better know. at it? Yeah. And that's just like, um, it's kind of like what? why though, I guess is what always uh, intrigues me is, why do we get bothered by certain things and then just hang on to those? Like, for example, if I think we all think that in some form baseball players are cheating or maybe other in Olympics at times or somebody's using a performance enhancing drugs, but some just get caught and labeled and we're done with them. And other times it's like, oh, yeah, that guy's probably using steroids. Here's where the Astros, I think, get in a lot of trouble because Astros and Red Sox, it's pretty clear we're doing the same exact thing. Red Sox before the Astros were caught with the – Apple Watches Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But the videos that came out after the Astros with the trash can, you could see like, oh, they are. There's visual evidence of them, visual and audio evidence of them cheating. Like, because you could hear the trash can for these pitches. Very obvious. So it's super obvious. The Red Sox, not so obvious. You just heard about it. So I think that's what really hurt the Astros. And I think in general, believe it or not, we're pretty forgiving society. 
So had Houston just said, we did it. Yes, we took advantage. You know, this is what we did. We'll take any penalty that's – but we also still – you could even then try to soften it by, hey, look, we're still a really good baseball team. Sure. But it was very much – yeah, I, we or weren't doing that. you get a worse cheater to come after you. Right. Which is what happened for the Red Sox. They didn't apologize. Yeah. They brought their manager back. Yes. Yep. So someone's got to be guilty of something more damaging um, than the Astros at this point. And – to our knowledge, it's not the Braves. We'll see. But the World Series Game 1 uh, gets going here a little bit later uh, tonight. All right, let's get you more. First things first. First things first. Snap. Kick. You hear the silence, and that's a good thing to hear. It is good. Brian Johnson nails it from 33 yards out. Yeah, the Saints needed a rookie kicker. To decide the game with a late field goal, it, ugh, that was not a great game. Not a fun game. Uh, weather was an issue. It wasn't well played, though, between the Seahawks and the Saints to wrap up the week of action in Monday night football. But you got to get a winner. We got a winner in that one. It was the Saints. And this is another bad loss for the Seahawks, who certainly, this goes without saying, they go as Russell Wilson goes. Well, he wasn't there. Geno Smith's doing his part. But that team seriously needs Russell Wilson. Here's Pete Carroll after the game. We've come in here a number of times here and uh, really had uh, very similar results in that we're we're not getting the game when we have a chance to get the football game that's out there for us. And uh, it's really difficult because we're so close to to winning games and and, uh, we haven't been able to do it at home for sure, which uh, is a real shock. Yeah, that's the other puzzle. Remember that, like the twelves. Nobody goes to Seattle and win. Maybe they'll maybe they'll lose one home game a year or one every two years. Seattle was just as dominant as it would get at home. Well, without Russell Wilson, even with him earlier this year, they lost that home game to Tennessee. They have not been a special home team. They've lost all their home games. They're zero and three. Same can be said for the Forty ers So to get back in the division for either of those teams, they got to get hot at home, figure out some things on the road, and get healthy. Um, that's probably something that's helping the Niners, a team that you thought could be a playoff team is the Seahawks. Well, they're behind them. You got a couple of the teams that you thought might be in the mix, but um, Seattle's Seattle's in a world of hurt. And uh, two and five with a seven and zero first place team ahead of you. Also, the Rams ahead of you at six and one. And you don't believe the Niners are going to stay down there. And if they do, then that's fine. But are you the team that's going to go past them? It's just been a it's been a tough tough season for the Seahawks. Didn't we call that? Yeah. Before the season? Yeah. Hmm. Wish Doug was here. Yes. Yes, to enjoy that. Definitely. I'm glad he's, like, super busy right now and isn't yes. able to catch all these games. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He he does have some of their uh, pressing duties, that's for sure. All right, more First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. And the snap. Rush on. Quick throw. Right side. Spinning grab. Lazard. Touchdown. Green Bay. They went at number 36, Danny Johnson, and beat him again. 10-yard touchdown pass to Alan Lazard. It's 13-7, Green Bay. That's from the Green Bay Packers radio network. That was last week, and we told you yesterday, Devontae Adams was added to the COVID-19 list for Green Bay. Well, today, Alan Lazard, who caught that touchdown last weekend, has been put on the COVID-19 list as well. Now, where there's not clarity is... What's going on with him, except for the one report that's come out, is that Lazard has not been vaccinated, and that is an option in the NFL. 
So we don't know whether or not it's a contact tracing situation between him and Devontae Adams, but um, because he has not been vaccinated, he has to miss five days. They play Thursday, and they play against undefeated Arizona. He's out. He is not going to play. So um, it hasn't been as much of an issue in the NFL, or certainly the NBA to date as of now, uh, but that's a really good matchup this week. The Green Bay Packers and the Arizona Cardinals uh, so the news today, Alan Lazard out uh, due to COVID restrictions and whether or not it's tracing or a positive test. Hopefully we're not looking for any of that, but he elected not to get vaccinated. And because of the rules of the league, uh, he has to be out for five days and that'll make him miss uh, the next game, which is Thursday against the Cardinals. First things first. First things first. All right. This next one, we kind of have to do a little setup for it because it's it's regarding Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers, but it's going to start elsewhere. Sometimes things start in the media. This might be exactly how this all began before we get get you to Mike Tomlin's press conference. Carson Palmer, former Raider, former Cardinal, uh, former NFL quarterback, former Bengal, uh, was on Dan Patrick, and they were talking about many things, including uh, the USC football job. Here's Carson Palmer. You can't have a so lot that, of front runners, Carson. You can have a front I mean, runner. You've got Penn State, you've got Iowa State, you've got Cincinnati, you've got a wild card like uh, Mike Tomlin. That, that if Mike Tomlin wants out, and and it, I think, you know, at the end of the day, there is not a direct. That's the guy everybody's pointing their fingers at. There's a there, there's a lot of great options. All right, so that was kind of a spring to all fields, but you heard Mike Tomlin in there. So here's the uh, the follow up. Has has and Mike USC, Tomlin hypothetically been discussed? Uh, I I'm sure he has. I think I think anybody is a potential candidate right now, and that's what's so great about the job is it can lure an NFL guy in that's tired of their current situation and worried about is Ben Roethl- Roethlisberger gone? Is he done? Who are we going to draft? Do I have, does Mike Tomlin have to start over with a first round young rookie quarterback? You know, everybody's on the table being that that job is so big and so coveted. Okay. So, um, again, this is national radio. This is stuff that had not, to the best of everybody's knowledge, been mentioned. Here's when that kind of uh, thought in uh, ideas and all the things got connected here. That's pretty spicy with Mike Tomlin there. I like it. You is that the first it? you've heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I think it's the first a lot of people have probably heard about that. Okay. If you could see the video, the look is even better because it's like, his look is like, oh, man. Much like we played that clip yesterday for the uh, Bengals analysts, that clip, it was... Uh oh. Whoops. Okay, those were the three comments that Carson Palmer made around Dan Patrick. Realizing, he's just, and he's just trying to sell USC as a place to go for coach, and then it's like, oh man, this might be a story now. Yeah, and uh, it became one because Mike Tomlin at his daily press conference uh, was asked about possible interest in college jobs like USC. As I don't have time for that speculation. I mean, that's a joke to me. Um, I got one of the best jobs in, in all of professional sport. Why would I have any interest in coaching college football? Um, that'll be the last time that I address it. 
and not only today, but moving forward. Never say never, but never. Okay? Anybody else got any questions about any college jobs? There's not a booster with a big enough blank check. Anyone else? All right. Thank you. Anybody asking Sean Payton about that? You know, anybody asking Andy Reid about stuff like that? Not a booster with a big enough blank check. Well, sounds like a challenge. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, and then we just, just right before we came on, Mark Sanchez was on, former USC quarterback with Colin Cowherd. I, I think the premise of what USC looks to be doing, and it, I don't know that Mike Tomlin has directly been mentioned, but certainly Carson Palmer did bring him up. Uh, but I think what the way Mark Sanchez added to it and put a little more depth to it, I think, is interesting I think USC feels like they're in a position to ask everyone and they're talking the biggest of biggest names out there and let them say no. Well, that certainly feels like a public no for Mike Tomlin and don't ask me again. Okay. He said, never say never, but never. Well, I think if you have the, the great enough deal and offer, it's always intriguing. I I think that's, what we would say about anything, there's always a price. There's always a number, no matter what that is, no matter what the um, long-term security, who who knows what that would be and whether or not that would be for Mike Tomlin. But that's the position that I believe USC thinks they're in. And otherwise, maybe they go, you know, some young up-and-coming coordinator route. But I think right now they want to see what they can fetch. What is, who would be remotely interested in? And I think that's probably where maybe Carson Palmer just started talking his way to that. But maybe Mike Tomlin's name was mentioned somewhere, but certainly not to Mike Tomlin, at least at this point. So uh, don't count him in that but situation. In the NFL, the Steelers' head coaching job is very rare because... Yep. It's what, three? Yeah, they don't get rid of their coaches. No. And, you know, Tomlin hasn't really had a ton of bad years. He's been successful. He's got a couple Super Bowls. Why, why would you want to leave? And what's that do for you? Like, you go to USC, eh. Yeah. And then three, four years later, you're gone? Or a bunch of NFL teams are looking for you? Well, I think if you go to USC, they're probably giving you a deal like, I'm, I'm saying John Gruden, 10 years, 100, whatever, something just so ridiculous that you'd have time. But is that, you, you're clearly changing your life. And is that what you want to do now? He's still young, but he's been an established NFL head coach that if, if Pittsburgh Wanted him gone. I think another team hires Mike Tomlin pretty quickly. Yeah, NFL team. If that's and that's seemingly what he wants. And but then once again, like he's got a great situation in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. And I think there's a charm to college. Um, you've got to you've got to be a part of that though. The program is becomes you, and you're recruiting, and you are bringing. Uh, you know, players are coming to there to play for that coach and the history of that school. But even then, isn't that changing? A little bit, because now the, you know... Um, Image and licensing yeah, deals. Yeah. Like, maybe you want to go to a... Maybe you can make a bigger name for yourself at a smaller school. Yeah, there's a lot of things <laughs> there. Um, what USC is looking at, and certainly Tomlin's feeling. I don't know where he went with it. You guys asking Andy Reid? You guys asking Sean Payton? Well, if their names came up, I think they would. But anyway, don't ask him again, I guess, is the is the point of this one. All right, let's get you more First Things First. First Things First. All right, the 49ers quarterback situation. We told you about this yesterday after the just awful performance Sunday night in the wet weather. Here was Kyle Shanahan after the game. 
I would guess so. You know, I'm going to watch this tape and see if guys are healthy, first of all. I don't even know where our guys are at. It was um, good for Jimmy to be able to get healthy enough to play in this game today. Well, that was when he was asked if you're going to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think, again, we're still waiting to see how healthy Trey Lance will be. I'm telling you, I think Kyle Shanahan thinks their best chance to still get out of this. And what this is is a 2-4 and four start, a four-game losing streak, is with Jimmy G. He's not fully in love with Jimmy G. They are going to be in love with Trey Lance, and I think they're they're working their way to that. One, he's hurt. Two, um, he's just not quite ready. And he might be, you know, where he might come in and be ready if this team is two and seven. That's different. Two and four is not a lost season yet. Two and eight, three and eight, somewhere in there, you're chasing a season that you probably can't catch up to. So two and four, you're not buried. You're not out of it. 17 weeks, you're not in good position. But like we said yesterday, a win against Chicago, three and four looks a lot different. You'll feel better, obviously, about getting a win and how you played. If you lose to Chicago, There'll be, there'll be some more talking internally amongst the organization if they've lost five consecutive games. So it feels like a a swing time again for uh, for this team, certainly at this point. All right, let's give you more. One more thing on First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. All right, the last one here, it's, it's, it's another gathering today, we'll put it that way, for the A's and the city of Oakland with another vote today on a potential project by all accounts everything that i was reading earlier it sure looked like this was far more of a positive get together a far more productive meeting now what today's presentation and proposal was about was really needing a yes vote just to have things go forward no basically felt like everything was done like all the way done now um again most all accounts say everything was much more positive i think they i don't know if they finished with the um, final votes from today, but uh, the point is they were talking about the Howard Terminal Project. Uh, I know they got a lot more support from uh, some of the union areas, union workers, the city, the council, the mayor was all very, very supportive of what this uh, new kind of project estimates would look like. Let's see, uh, Mayor Schaff and now Cavill say the cost of the proposal is $6 billion in private capital before they were saying it was twelve. So it's a little bit less, well, a lot less, right? Cut in half. Um, and it looks like there was more look at a, an affirmative vote than uh, than elsewhere. But that doesn't mean, hey, this is rock solid. They got everything in place. It's just today would have been on that waterfront ballpark district kind of development would have been more detrimental if they heard a no. So we'll get uh, updates on that. Wanted to at least get that out there because I know they were going through stuff this afternoon uh, while we speak. All right, much more to get to today, including... Tim Kempton, former NBA player, Phoenix Suns radio analyst, will give us a preview of tomorrow's Kings-Suns game. And Luke Walton, head coach of the Kings, he joins us at 5 as we're back with more right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK, Jason Ross here with you on this Tuesday afternoon here on KHDK. Luke Walton, coach of the Kings, joining us today for his weekly visit at 5. Also more perspective in a preview of the Phoenix Suns with their radio analyst, Tim Kempton. That'll come your way at 4.30, one hour from now. Uh, Luke at 5, Tim Kempton at 4.30. Uh, yesterday, we were talking about, and it was even our question we asked uh, to Dave. I know Dave and Jay talked about it quite a bit today, about the Tom Brady Football, the 600 football. 
Did you even see, Chris, today Jerry Jones' comments on that, too? No. Was, I try to limit my Jerry Jones. I didn't hear it. I just read it, and I went, really? Jerry Jones said he his advice to, what was his name, Byron Kennedy, the one who caught the, who got the ball. Not that Byron Kennedy. Oh, Byron Kennedy, though? The other Byron Kennedy? Yeah. Yeah, to that Byron Kennedy. He said um, his advice would have been to hold on to the ball a little bit longer and then get really emotional. Let them see the tears. And then that then start to hear for negotiations. Okay, you know what? I, I changed my position. Great. That great got advice. you? Yeah. That got you. Good advice. That was from Jerry Jones. He said, hang on to the ball longer. Then when they demand it, start to cry. Yes. <laughs> and then see if you can. Then you start your negotiations. I don't know. Maybe if I got like maybe four season tickets <laughs> for life. Oh, my goodness. Well, one of the things we've been praising that is still great television is the Manning cast. It's on Monday night. It was a terrible game last night as far as entertainment value, but the Manning cast is always good. And they did have Tom Brady on uh, the Manning cast for a little while, and they they ended up talking about that. Here's that uh, interaction. Negotiating with Byron, who gave to me. Byron realized he lost all of his leverage once he gave the ball away. He should have held it yeah. and then just get as much leverage as possible. Amateur move. And cry. Yeah. Yeah. So, if he would have held it, he would have been sitting in the Tom Brady suite for the rest of the season. But uh, <laughs> amateur move on his part. Hey, it, I think it worked out pretty well. It just showed kind of what he got right there from it. But I'm also giving him a Bitcoin, which, I mean, that's pretty cool, too. So we went over what he got yesterday, which basically was a couple of signed items from Tom Brady. Uh, Mike Evans, game-worn cleats. Uh, I think there was a signed helmet and jerseys from Brady, uh, season tickets for the rest of this year and all of next year, and what, $1,000 to the team store? Yes. And Bitcoin, a Bitcoin from yeah, Tom that's Brady. that's a big one. Yeah? Bitcoin is trading now at $60,405.60. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool, and that sounds like that was from Tom himself just giving him that. So I'm sure he's got more than a few. Yeah, he probably does. A couple loose Bitcoins in his pocket. His couch. Yes. Um, so that was cool. And, you know, I was actually looking at the list yesterday of passing touchdowns because I thought I, I, just the number 600, why was this so significant? He's at 602. I don't know what number he'll end. Maybe he's still playing. And then when I was really doing the numbers, obviously, Chris, we know it's a pass happy league now. It's changed. But I looked at it and went, man, He's blowing people away. Tom, to me, one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen. Like, for all the pieces put together, athletic ability, understanding the position, size, toughness, cannon of an arm, to me, that's John Elway. So he's got a couple Super Bowls. John Elway, he lapped him. He has 300 touchdowns, which is great. It's great. Tom Brady's at 602. I mean, we're getting into areas that, like, Tom Brady's going to be so far ahead of everybody. Uh, Dan Fouts, great quarterback. Growing up, like, that was the guy. Air Coriel, Dan Fouts, 254. Troy Aikman, you think about him, um, you know, great career, Hall of Famer. People think very highly of him. Um, where was he? He's even under 200, I think. I can't even find – yeah, 165. He has 165 touchdown passes. That's crazy. And so then what I started to look at was, I go, wait a minute, 165? Tom Brady, since he turned 40, 
has 146. He is almost past Aikman's career since he turned 40. And the 146 since he turned 40 right now, Chris, would put Tom Brady in 96th place all time. Just his 40 ages of 40 on. The thing is, it's a different league. It is, 100%. And Troy Aikman had Emmett Smith for how long? Most of it. And but he also had Irvin and yeah. Alvin Hart. I mean, it's a different league. But I mean, I don't know. We could say, you know, if home runs start to change, even though it feels like they have, it would be someone hitting 1,100 home runs, like just blowing it away. It's like Jerry Rice. Yeah. Compare his, his stats to everybody else. Wayne Gretzky, you know, that kind of thing. But where Brady's getting to, even in the past happy league, because that is the other part, like the, the deceptive part of you. If I, here's the top 10 in touchdown passes, Matt Ryan's 10th. Like nobody's putting Matt Ryan ahead of some of these other guys. Eli, nine. Roethlisberger, eight. Marino, seven. So Dan Marino, one of the all, he's going to be 200 touchdowns more than Dan Marino soon. Phillip Rivers, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. And then Tom Brady. But looking up his numbers just since he turned 40, 146 touchdowns. That's absolutely amazing. Steve Young, great career, 232. Um, it just, you know, that 300 club is, there's only 13 people that have done it. And he's at 602. The tough thing is, is when you start, when you see these more recent quarterbacks tied with like all time greats. Yes. So, uh, Andy Dalton is <laughs> 36th, seven ahead of Terry Bradshaw. Right, right. And it just tells you how different the league is. Matt Hasselbeck yeah. is tied with Bradshaw. <laughs> Matt Hasselbeck. Um, you know, uh, Alex Smith is tied with Phil Sims. Yeah. Oh, man. At 199, Alex Smith needed one more. Someone sign him up for a game to get him to 200 so he could be only 400 behind. Man. I mean, that's that's to me is where the description, like Bradshaw, 212, Brady is going to triple him. See, so now as we talk about that, I think one of the more impressive is Dan Marino. Absolutely. Who played in the 80s and 90s. Yes. And he's still in that top 10. Well, and I think when that was set, it was like, okay, who's going to get to that? Well, now uh, Ben Roethlisberger is going to pass it this year. Matt Ryan might get there. Stafford likely will get there. You just go, man. Um, but anyway, uh, good for... Byron Kennedy to get the get the Bitcoin. You say it's at sixty thousand now. Yes, trading at sixty thousand and, and going up to the moon. It's past the moon. Oh, it's past the moon. Okay, it might be coming back down to the moon. <laughs> it's resurfacing. It's coming back. Um, the other parts of uh, Manning cast that you might get. Well, you get Marshawn Lynch. He was on. I know you edited this. Are we are we good here? Yeah. Okay. Here was uh, Marshawn Lynch. Protect that protect that ball. Protected. Oh, oh, what the? Uh, f- I mean, I don't think. Okay, you can imagine what he said there. Live TV. Here's a uh, the Manning apology. Hey, Marshawn Lynch, not as wild about the language. Want to apologize for some of the language. Uh, it's not what we're trying to do on this show. Um, I had to remind Eli that this show is live, uh, so Eli's learned his lesson. Marshawn, I probably keep should have reminded him. Keep your the hands hand down. Below Eli, screen. Anyway, we apologize uh, for that. But uh, anyway, let's get- yeah. So we've had an f bomb. We've had Eli with the the gesture of the middle finger. Oh, 
Marshawn kept going. Okay, there was much more? Yeah. Um, I love it, though. I yeah. really like the Manning cast. I want to watch a football game with Marshawn. Yeah, well, of course. I think we all uh, are really from Oakland, like, come on, like, HBO. What if HBO had the same thing? It's Marshawn and a couple other people. He had a great one where... Uh, he what there was they were talking about like oh wasn't there talk about you going to the Buccaneers and he's like oh blank and play with Tom Brady mm-hmm. he's like uh, uh I I can't do it I, I he's like he goes you know I could probably block I don't want to run or anything like that and he goes hey if one of you guys goes there with me so we could have this sparkling conversation with each other <laughs> then I'll go <laughs> yeah someone would be hip to have that same what's, premise on like a unrestricted you know what's funny access. is the story on Marshawn was oh he's quiet he doesn't talk to the media he's great when he does talk he doesn't he doesn't want to say anything to anybody that was like the thing on it which i just believed when he was in the league like okay yeah he doesn't talk to anybody but then when you got him outside of football he would go on conan all the time yes or you see him interviewed for something it's like oh man this guy is hilarious was he in the league right i remember oh yeah he was in the league um he is funny he is funny and these guys that's what i I remember bringing up earlier if they could have we were just talking about baseball in the world series not a lot of just kind of juice going into this. If you could have that same kind of thing, especially for baseball, when there's so much empty time, I don't know who those baseball personalities would be to Pedro. get that out. Pedro's really good. And we get him in the post game. Like, oh, what game was it? It might have been after the Astros won to get in. I can't remember. Or was it the, the Braves? But. You know, it's Bob Costas was working the set that day, and and Bob couldn't control it. Like, Pedro was just, he was doing whatever he wanted. It was funny. Um, Pedro would be good. Pedro would be good. Um, maybe Pedro and Poppy. Oh, yeah. And as guests or hosts, um, but to kind of keep, because you have a hitter and a pitcher. Um, yeah, this Manning cast has worked out really well. It's good. What's uh, funny is there was talk about him, when he retired, it's just like, oh, Monday Night Football is... Right. Everybody's kind of pursuing him. Yeah, which we never would have gotten this, and it's better that he never took that as an option. Yeah, no, and just the discuss Like, there's funny stuff. I know when... Uh, who they have before? Pat McAfee was great storytelling and funny, uh, but then sometimes when you really get football details in there, it's great. I love when Eli and Peyton are either joking with one another because they can get away with it being the, the family situation or just talking about the game. It's just really well, good. I think it's like it's so hard now to have a such a broad influence on telling a game Yeah, because the people that want like the hardcore stats, they're like, oh, what are you talking about? I yeah. don't want to hear any of these dumb stories. Yeah. But then the other people, like me, I don't care about stats. I yeah. want to see the game. I want to know what the story is. I want to know this guy versus this guy three years ago, what yeah. happened. But I think they also give us that hardcore. In a sense, yeah. like there's been times where so the game's have... down to the end, and like this is what I'd run. Oh, they're blitzing. Watch watch 32 on the outside. Here's what I would run. You're like, oh, man. Yeah, so it's awesome. like for everybody. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. All right. Another week of action is done, so we got to get you another week of NFL Top 5, Bottom 5. We'll give you those when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Back here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Head coach of the Kings, Luke Walton, to join us at 5 o'clock. Uh, update on the NBA, by the way. LeBron James, uh, right ankle soreness, out tonight. So he had said before the season he prefers to play. He'd rather play uh, more games, not 
sit because of um, any other decision. Well, here is an injury situation, so it looks like LeBron is out tonight versus San Antonio Lakers. Got their first win the other night when they beat Memphis. Uh, more NBA coming up in the uh, next 10 minutes here. We'll get to the NBA after one week. Some trends and some notes and some things to follow uh, as we get into week two of the NBA. But let's uh, wrap up the NFL with the uh, last week that's just uh, concluded last night with another Monday night game uh, to finish off the week. And uh, of the seven weeks of action, I didn't think week seven. The highlights to me of this last week were the impressive wins by the Titans and the Bengals. Uh, After that, I mean, there were other games. It just didn't have a lot of the late drama uh, that we were – maybe hoping for the Bucks won easily the Cardinals won easily um we had the the sloppy game with the 49ers uh, Raiders they got a win which was good for them and uh, staying first going into the bye but week seven wasn't the best that the NFL has to offer but week eight might be and it starts with a really good one on Thursday right here on KHK with the Cardinals undefeated against the Packers now who are uh, six and one after that one loss to start the season they've won Six in a row. All right, let's get you to the NFL top five, bottom five. After another week of action, here's how I see it. 28 to 32, the five worst teams in the NFL right now. Jacksonville gets a reprieve. They they go to 28. They stay at 28, I guess. Uh, they didn't play. So no damage. They're still a bad team. One and five. Um, they've competed a couple of times. Maybe could have had another win in here, but they broke through. Got a win in London. So they are uh, 28. Miami, another loss this last week. Losing to... Um, Atlanta, they started 1-0. They've lost six in a row. I do think it might start to turn a little bit, and I know there's a lot of talk about what they're going to do. Could they be a team that trades for Deshaun Watson? The hard part about that is if you do that, when is he coming? When would he play? The league hasn't really determined anything on that about his uh, availability to come back. Um, Right now the Texans are just holding off on that. So uh, I'll put the Dolphins at 29 Detroit, yes, I know they're the NFL's only winless team, but I moved them up a bit based on the way they attacked the game. I love the way they played against the Rams. Had a 10-0 lead before the Rams even got the ball. They fake had a fake punt. They had an onside kick. They really threw everything at the Rams and went for it. And just went for it and battled and competed. And I thought that was a great approach. I really appreciated that. That still netted them a loss, uh, but they stay in that uh, bottom five at number 30. 31, Houston. They have lost six in a row as well, and they're just not competitive. Let me look at their last couple of games here, what the scores have been. Uh, Colts, 31-3 to this last week, 31-5. to They've scored eight points in the last two weeks. They got shut out two weeks prior to that. Nine points the week before that. Their best outing was the loss to the Patriots, 25-22. They scored 21 on the Browns. In the first week, they scored 37. But a 9, a 0, a 3, and a 5 in four of their last five weeks. Yikes. Offense is a major problem for the Houston Texans. And dead last, the Jets. They may be better than dead last, but what's to play for right now for the Jets is Zach Wilson. Like You you know it's going to be a tough year. And you're going forward because, hey, we drafted a rookie that we think highly of that we just kind of have to go through the lumps. And you got a great win in there with the Titans. But now that Zach Wilson is hurt, you played Bill Belichick and the Patriots for a second time, and they beat him 54-13. to And now that you know that Wilson's going to be out for a couple of weeks, um, you bring in Joe Flacco. Ugh. 
Jets, you are dead last. You are 32nd. Let's go from five to one. The top five teams currently in the NFL. I'm going to put Dallas at number five. The Cowboys have been in my five before and then out back in again. They didn't play, but they are five and one. They've won five in a row. They've been competitive every week. They've had some games that maybe were closer than they would have liked, but it's a really good balanced team. And (laughs) mathematically, they haven't done so, but it feels like the division's over. They're going to win that division, barring just something crazy happening to Dallas. Washington, Philadelphia, and the Giants all have two wins. Dallas already has five, and five on the way up to probably 10 or 11. The rest of the teams can't get there. So they're going to easily win the division. I put them at number five. Tampa Bay at four. They did beat Dallas, obviously, the opening night. They're six and one. They've won four in a row. Brady in the offense, they have been cooking. I mean, they have looked really, really good the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, with that 45-point game against the Dolphins, 38-3 to this week against the Bears. Brady over 600 touchdowns. He's having another fantastic season. I will put them at number four. Number three, the Los Angeles Rams. I just mentioned the Lions. Well, the Lions gave them everything they could have, and the Rams had to kind of stick with it, had to battle, and had to find a way to win, and they did that. They won three in a row. They're 6-1. and one. They look good. And the way I set up 2-1, and one, I did this on purpose. I'll put the Green Bay Packers all the way up to number two. I don't know that they're the second-best team. I'll I'll say they're not at this point, but they've won six in a row, playing good football now, and number one is Arizona, and they're going to decide it on Thursday. you got undefeated Arizona, 7-0, and kind of looking like they're getting better as the weeks go along, which is what you want, against Green Bay. So my two and one are Green Bay and Arizona. Cowboys, Buccaneers, Rams, Packers, Cardinals from five to one. All right, first hour complete when we come back in the next hour. Lots of NBA discussion, the very latest on the Kings as they head to Phoenix to take on the Suns tomorrow. Tim Kempton, former NBA player and Phoenix Suns radio analyst, will join us at the bottom of the hour. But when we come back, the NBA after one week, we talk about the winless teams, the undefeated teams, and the storylines through one week. Uh, We'll do that when we come back here on KHDK.